So I usually, on Mother's Day and Father's Day, try to, you know, work the sermon around that. Dads, I remembered this morning that, that it's Father's Day, and I'm so sorry. Your second fiddle yet again to Mother's Day, but a shout out to you. Um, I know I am uh, extremely uh, privileged to be a father, and I hope you uh, enjoy every moment of it. It's precious, isn't it? So, but the sermon has nothing to do with it, so sorry. <laughs> Let's pray. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. In Christ we pray. Amen. So it's been about 10 weeks now since our son, Ian, 18, year, 18 years old, was diagnosed with a brain tumor, which uh, you can imagine um, has kind of turned our whole world upside down. In an instant, right, priorities changed, uh, schedules changed, uh, vocabulary changed as we started learning all these new medical terms. And I wondered in what ways that this might also change my faith. When things are rolling along, you know, normally, uh, questions about God and faith can seem a little abstract, right? It's when we're in crisis that those same questions, uh, they mean something different all of a sudden. How does prayer work, really? How does, how does God interact with us, really? How, um, what, are we, what are we going to have faith in, really? Right? Now, I don't have answers to all those questions today in case you were, you know, <laughs> don't want to get your hopes up there, manage expectations. But I do have a few thoughts. Um, you know, I remember in the first few days after the news as we were stumbling around in that daze, this phrase kept, kept repeating in my head like a, like a mantra, um, faith in all things, faith in all things. It was, a, it was a reminder, I think, that, you know, if I was going to have faith, if I was going to be a person of faith, then it meant that I had to have faith in all situations, even this. And maybe, too, a, a reminder that it was my way of saying that, that God was faithful in all situations, even this, But as the weeks um, have unfolded, I started to get stuck on the next question. Yes, faith in all things, but faith in what exactly? Did I mean that I had faith that things were going to work out, faith that my son will be okay. You know, I certainly hoped he would. I prayed that he would. I, I would give anything for him to be okay. But having faith in a, in a specific outcome has always, um, you know, in the sense of expecting it to happen, has always struck me as, as either putting God to the test asking God to prove God's self to us, 
or putting us to the test, suggesting that if our faith is strong enough, bad things won't happen. And by extension, those who have had bad things happen perhaps did not have enough faith. And neither of those seem true or helpful. So by faith, I think we have to be talking about something else. Something, something bigger than and beyond specific outcomes, even as we continue to hope and pray, of course, for those outcomes. But our faith has to be in something big enough to hold whatever happens in life. So today I want to give you a, a simple but I think brilliant way of imagining our relationship with God that offers a different way to think about faith. I would like to say that the brilliance is mine, but I heard it on an interview with an author and a rabbi named Lawrence Kushner a few months ago. And he said this. He said, picture a piece of paper with a large circle on it. And then add a very small circle a dot, really, by comparison, beneath it. Okay? Got the picture? He said, this is how most of us think about our relationship with God. That God is very large and up there somewhere. And we are down here, rather small and puny. And I think most of us grew up with some version of this idea. Right? It's, it's the old man with a beard sitting on a throne. And there's a, there's a very strong sense of, of hierarchy and power and authority in this image. And you can see why we end up spending so much of our lives hoping to be good enough for the circle, asking favors of the circle, and trying not to make the circle angry with us. Right? So now make one very small change to your picture. Move the dot inside the circle. Okay. It's so simple. I promise you it's everything. Because at one level, you know, you're still you. But now you're no longer alone. You know you're no longer alone, and you're no longer small in the same way because you now experience yourself as part of something much, much larger. You're a part of everything, and everything is a part of you. It is both inflating and humbling at the same time. And I know how foreign that may sound, we're so used to thinking of ourselves as these clearly defined individuals, and that's all. But I, I think we've all had times of, of glimpsing this, of experiencing this. Times when the, the, the edges of our carefully crafted ego soften. And, and we get this sense of, a, of this deeper truth that we are inside the circle. And, you know, sometimes these moments are s simple ones. I, last Sunday in church, I mentioned sitting on my back, in my backyard one night. And the flowers were blooming and our 
our new puppy was chasing the miller moths and my favorite bird started singing. And I felt totally engrossed in the world around me. I, I just became part of it, if that makes sense. Still me, but inside the circle. I think nature can do that. Love can do it, too. When our hearts are opened so completely, those moments, we kind of disappear. And our usual self-awareness and our self-talk and our self-anxiousness falls away. So blessedly lost we are in the moment. And one other thing can do it. Suffering. When things go wrong, even and especially terribly wrong, we no longer have the control, uh, the, the illusion of control that we did before. The ground we thought that was so solid falls away, and we can feel like we're falling. It's a terrifying feeling. And in that moment, it's natural to grasp and cling and fight for something to hold on to, something to regain that control. Or we can do something kind of crazy. That we can try to trust the falling itself. We can try to surrender the control that we never really had. And just like in times in nature or great love, our suffering can become the opening of a door. And if we stay there, just in the reality of the present moment rather than lost in the stories of what could happen, we find that we don't need the control that we thought we had but never really did. Because the truth is, and we know it in that moment, that we are and always have been Sustained not by our own doing, but by something beyond us. We have been all along inside the circle. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says something a little strange. Believe me, he says, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And then a few verses later, I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Is it possible this is what he means? That we are all inside of this circle? that all of this that we see is actually held by and a part of something much, much larger. You are not on the outside. 
In our scripture this morning, the author of the epistle to the Hebrews says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And that by faith we understand, by faith we understand that the worlds, the universe, all of this, was prepared by the Word of God, the Word that was in the beginning, so that what is seen was made from things that are not seen. That this world is continually being breathed into life, manifested moment by moment by what is not seen. And we don't know who wrote this letter, but we do know that it's to a group of Christians who are suffering. They were being beaten and imprisoned and sometimes killed for their faith, and many of them were beginning to doubt. And the anonymous author is reminding them that all that they can see, all that they are going through, is held by and made by something they can't see, and that they can trust that. It's a lot to ask of them. It's a lot to ask of us. This life and the suffering that we go through can seem too much for us. Because it is, actually, far too much for a small dot, alone and isolated from everything else. But even in the most terrible of times, especially in the most terrible of times, the thing we must remember is that our small dot self is not all that we are. And what we see is not the complete picture. We are forever in the circle, and the circle is forever in us. And all that happens to us in this life happens within what Thomas Merton called the hidden wholeness of this world. And behind all of this is something so beautiful and so holy that we can't begin to comprehend it. But we can have faith in it. Faith in all things.